the book of Luke, chapter 1, starting at page 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So that's Psalm 98 on page 600. A psalm. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The Collins Dictionary Word of the Year for 2022 is permacrisis. The definition given, an extended period of instability and insecurity. With this new year, do you remember COVID was receding? We hoped, we thought, the crisis over, better things. But that word permacrisis has found repeated use this year to describe, amongst other things, the challenges posed by the war close at hand in Ukraine, political chaos in this country, let alone overseas, and the challenges of inflation and the cost of living increases. And of course, we see this on the news, but it's not just there. Some of those things will have impacted us personally. But then on top of that, of course, the particular personal challenges that we might have faced over these last months. For many, life is difficult. And here we are, Christmas is coming, we're all meant to be jolly and happy, but, well, our anticipation is somewhat muted, maybe even somber. Those pressures, the pains are just crowding in. So in the midst of such difficulties, what place is there for this Christmas enthusiasm and exuberance? Well, to such a groaning world and to groaning people, Psalm 98 exhorts us, sing to the Lord a new song. 
But how can we do that in the midst of a perma-crisis? Now, Psalm 98 was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, but it has come to be associated, linked quite tightly with Christmas. Well, why is that? Well, it was in 1719, the hymn writer Isaac Watts published a hymn book called the Psalms of David, and it included his version of Psalm 98, which you may well know as the song Joy to the World. Now, that song wasn't initially intended as a Christmas carol, but because of the content, it's become to be considered like that. It still is today and is much loved as a carol. Maybe we should sing it this afternoon a bit later. But there is another, in fact, a stronger reason still to connect Psalm 98 with Christmas. Because we'll find this psalm, if you like, is the influence, one of the influences for another song, which may be more familiar to us. We'll come to that in a few minutes. But first, let's dive into this psalm. And to begin, we see the first advent, the Lord's salvation is seen by all. Apparently tonight, England are playing a football match in the last 16 of the World Cup. Some are interested. I may watch it, I don't know, later. But let's suppose that I didn't watch it. And what's more, every electronic device in my house was switched off. Did you know if England were still to win somehow, I would actually know about it very soon, as would just about any of us here who live in the more built-up areas in London. There will be celebrations. There will be shouting in the street. We will hear the singing. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Each time that phrase, new song, appears in the Old Testament scriptures, it comes because God has done something. And in particular, he has won a victory, a new song to celebrate. You might remember God delivers his people through the Red Sea at the Exodus. What did Moses and the people do? They sang a victory song. So the question is, therefore, what is the victory that this psalm is celebrating? Well, verse 1 goes on. He has done marvellous things. So what are these marvellous things? It goes on, verse 1. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Those of us in our small groups here at the 4pm reading Exodus will know that God's hand and arm was what delivered the people at the Exodus. So maybe that's what this psalm, this song had originally in mind, celebrating that rescue. But no doubt it was used then in the history of Israel to maybe celebrate victories over other nations or even the return from exile. But so today, the world doesn't sing about God. Maybe the world doesn't think God is even there, or if he is there, well, where is he? He hasn't done anything. There's nothing worth celebrating. Yet we read these opening verses five times. It tells us God is acting. Did you see them? Doing marvelous deeds, working salvation, making known this salvation, revealing his righteousness, remembering his steadfast love and faithfulness. And the point is, God has done something. He's acted. And if that is true, the psalm is encouraging us. It calls for a response. More than that, a celebration. And notice how the psalm thinks it's not just for a few people, those who might be interested in this sort of thing. End of verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. To which we might ask, well, but have they really? <laughs> What act of God has the world seen 
today. If we were to sing this psalm, what action of God are we to have in our minds? Well, an angel appeared to a young girl in an out-of-the-way place and spoke of what God had done even inside her. And that girl, Mary, responded with a song. We had it read to us a little earlier from Luke's Gospel, Mary's song, the Magnificat. And from those lyrics, it sounds like one of her influences was Psalm 98. I've listed some of the parallels on the sheet. Mary began, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's singing a new song to the Lord. Mary goes on, he who is mighty has done great things. Yes, marvelous things, like in Psalm 98. She goes on, he has shown strength with his arm, echoing the psalm. Mary continues, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just like the psalmist had pointed out as well. Doesn't end there. After the birth, that baby was then taken to the temple. And uh, earlier we said a few words, the words of old Simeon, who took the baby in his arms and then, well, we're not told he sang, but he did bless God. And he said, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. So this time of year, we use this word advent. Advent means coming or arrival. God has come into the world in Jesus. And Psalm 98 emphasizes for us, he's come for salvation, to rescue. That's what is needed to make things better, to find those who've gone astray, and to bring them back. Jesus himself said in a little later in Luke that he came to seek and to save the lost. Now that is a grand claim. So how then did Jesus do it? Well, Psalm 98 has lots of this language of a mighty God in action, his right arm and his hand. So you could ask, how then does God flex his muscles for all the world to see? Four British women work on what is the world's most remote post office in Antarctica. And this week, there was an unexpected snowfall of four metres of snow. Their building was buried, and so the call went out for help. The Royal Navy heard it. They sent to the rescue HMS Protector. What a great name. They came nearby. They sent the Royal Marines ashore. And those Marines dug out the post office with their strong arms. Now, isn't that a great, powerful rescue story? How then did the Creator God flex his muscles? By coming as a baby amidst the animals. And then, if you like, God did flex them all the more. About 30 years later, it was in full public view on a hillside just outside Jerusalem. So if we really want to see what the mighty God is doing, look there. A man hanging on a cruel cross, breathing his last in pain and humiliation. It may not sound like a cause for celebration, but the Bible is clear. If you really want to see what the mighty God has done, look there, look more carefully, look harder. Just think, in our permacrisis, in this world of sin and suffering and pain and evil and death, 
Our world in the end is utterly powerless. It can do nothing. What can change our world for the better? Well, the mighty God can do it through a cradle that led to a cross. And hence, this call goes out to all the world, sing a new song. The carol puts it, joy to the world, the Lord has come. So that's verses one to three. The first advent, the Lord's salvation is seen by all. Then in verses four to six, we have this Christmas, a joyful noise to the Lord, the King. This week, I went to a musical in the West End, by which I meant a, I mean, a production of Greece by my daughter at school. But all the same, before this show began, we were terribly excited. The compere came up to the front and invited the audience to join in with the singing of all these well-known classics from the musical Greece. Obviously, I declined. <laughs> but it is a different story when this psalmist gives the invitation. Listen again, verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Again, at the end of verse 6. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Did you notice the obvious repetition? Joy. Joyful noise. Joyful, joyous sound. Joyful noise. Just like we heard earlier, those angels, when they arrived on that hillside outside Bethlehem, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, the encouragement here is not to be superficially jolly. It's not, oh, come on, do join in the festive spirit kind of joy. It's not a pretend smile for a few hours trying to ignore the pain inside. No, the psalmist is drawing us, encouraging us for this deep joy that does come from within and then expresses itself outwardly. But of course we ask, how can there be such joy? How could all people share in it? But that brings us, did you notice the other repetition, either side of verses four to six. Verse four, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And end of verse six, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. So yes, we all know long ago Jesus was born. And this time of year, many people make some passing remembrance of that event. But as we know, the rest of the year, they won't really give him much thought at all until December comes round. Leave baby Jesus in the manger, gathering dust. But then next year, he'll still be there, Groundhog Day, never to leave. But that means we were never listening to what the angels said on that Bethlehem hillside. They said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. So David, king of Israel, and Jesus, David's descendant, was announced to be the Christ, the long-awaited promised king from God. And so it proves, if you read on and find out more about his life, the baby doesn't stay in the manger, grows up, teaches with such authority like never before or since, performs these mighty miracles, giving a glimpse that here is one with power over disease and demons and death. It becomes abundantly clear Jesus is this king. But no mere historical king, because the evidence is plain. He rose again. 
from the dead. Yes, our world has many problems. Yes, we have plenty of questions about what is happening both out there and maybe in our lives as well. But this psalm is reminding us ultimately this world, our lives, are not out of control. There is a throne and it's not empty. King Jesus at his father's side, ruling over all people everywhere. And if that is true, we can make a joyful noise to the King, the Lord. We're not simply celebrating a past event. We are delighting in a present reality. And notice who should do this. This is not meant to be a private, in-house celebration behind closed doors for those who like this sort of thing. It's not a holy huddle while the rest of the world gets on with its own thing. I wonder at this time of year, have you made an invitation for a carol service? And then someone might have said back to you, yeah, it's not really for me. But it is. Whoever we said that to, this is for them. Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. As those angels said on the Bethlehem hillside, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I wonder, have you looked ahead to next year? Do you know what is happening on May the 6th next year? That's right, it's my wife's birthday. Mustn't forget, and no doubt a few of us will sing happy birthday. Although I know for most of you it's not really here or there, sorry, Jenny, about that. But May the 6th, you may also be aware, is also the coronation of King Charles III. Now that is an occasion that many will celebrate up and down this land and beyond. They'll be singing, God save the King. But still, not all will want to join in for whatever reason. But there is a far greater king alive and ruling today. He came into the world that first time to rescue, to bring us back to our maker, but now he rules over all. So we can sing with conviction and passion, joy to the world. The saviour reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. Notice we looked at either side of verses four and six, emphasizing joy because of the king. What's in between? Verse five, sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Well, we had singing already in verses one to three, but if you like, now the volume is increasing. Get out the musical instruments, the lyre, the trumpet, and whatever else. We need to up the volume and celebrate. Now here at the 4pm, we're keen to put this into practice quite literally. So at our all-age carols here on the 18th, we are going to invite everyone, younger and older, although it's mainly the younger that actually do it, they come up to the front and join in the orchestra with all our instruments. But don't misunderstand, it's not just for those who are here in the church. In fact, think of each of our carol services coming up, so many of them. Our hope is to have a choir outside singing before the service. That'll add, I'm sure, to the Christmassy feel. But there's something more to it than that. We hope that the many passers-by who pass by will hear that singing and want to join in. They'd be very welcome to do that. That's not just our bright idea. That's the precedent set by Psalm 98. All the earth invited to join in 
celebrating the king's rule. So we've had the first advent. The Lord's salvation is seen by all. Today, a joyful noise to the Lord the king. And then future advent. The Lord comes to judge the earth. I wonder if you notice the ever-expanding circles of praise in this psalm. Opening verses, God's people in particular. Verses four to six, all the peoples of the earth. Now verse seven, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Can you hear it? The crescendo is growing and growing, bigger and louder. There were the people's voices, there were the musical instruments, but now it's taking in all the earth, the roar of the sea, the clap of the rivers, the hills are alive and add their voices in song. All this joy, as the carol puts it, in heaven and nature sing. So why this raucous, tumultuous celebration? Well, we had those five action words in verses one to three. There are now two more action words speaking of what God will do in the future. Verse nine, let all this happen before the Lord For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So first action, the Lord comes. Not that first coming or advent at Christmas, but his second coming. The Jesus who is now alive and reigning will one day return in person to this earth. And what will he come to do? Well, that brings us to our second action word. He comes to judge the earth. Now, some might hear that and think, well, surely that's to be feared rather than to be celebrated with joy. And in a sense, for those who continue to shake their puny fist at God, well, yes, that is right. It will be a very sobering day. And yes, if you like, if all we had in this psalm was verses seven to nine, It would be ominous to read that. But that's not what we've got. We've read the whole psalm. And this is a psalm of joy because it wants us to keep all the psalm in view. In fact, the psalm itself encourages us to do that in a number of ways. You may be aware the number seven in the Bible is a number of completion, like you think of the seven days of creation. It turns out there are quite a few sevens in this psalm. We've already heard the seven action words. And then we notice God here is named seven times. Then we see there are seven commands to praise this God. Sing, make a joyful noise, break forth, sing, sing praises, sing praises, make a joyful noise. There are other senses of completion. Did you notice how the flow in the psalm is from the past to the present? and now to the future. So we need to hold all of the psalm together. And that answers why we can and should rejoice at the future coming of this king. Because we've already received the rescue of the king in the past. We are his people. We now live with him as king. And we look forward, therefore, as his people, to what he will do in the future. Because we feel as much as anyone else how this world is groaning. It does sometimes feel like a permanent crisis. The pain, the suffering, the need, the injustice, the evil, 
the wall, the list goes on. If only it could be sorted out. If only someone could put it right. If only it could be made better. Well, we've seen the one who can do it at Christmas. He came into the world. We know that today he rules over all and he's promised he will come back because the permacrisis is not permanent. Quite the opposite. There is hope. One day this groaning will be no more and it will be rightly transformed into uninterrupted celebration. As the song puts it, in joyful anticipation we sing, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He makes his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The song goes on, and so fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. So far as sin and its consequences have ruined our world, our king is coming to put it right forever. Let's now say this psalm together with great joy and then we will sing it. So let's stand together. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity.